Heavenly Father, we, we pray now that as we open up your word, as we read the words that we've read hundreds of times, that this morning you would help us to see them with new eyes, with a beginner's mind, that your spirit would use these words to be cemented onto our hearts and that it would be used to transform and to shape us. Father, that today before we leave, we would see more clearly that we were made in your image. And so as we ask some difficult questions and as we search the scriptures for the answers, I pray, Father, that you would give us the eyes to see. So now may the meditations of our hearts, may the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. I want to begin with a short story. Three preachers sat discussing the best postures for prayer while a telephone repairman was working on the line. The first pastor says, the best posture for prayer, and I think we've all had this question, right? Is there one best way to pray? The first pastor sa preacher says, the best way to pray is kneeling. You have to kneel down in order for your prayers to, for God to hear your prayers. The second pastor says, no, 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 no. It's not just the kneeling that the best is the best posture, but rather it's when I feel like God hears me the best when my arms are stretched out towards the heavens and God says, you know, God sees just how passionate my heart is. The third, the third pastor says, I know that's throwing me off too. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. The third preacher says, no, 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 it's not kneeling, it's not stretching your hands out. The best way to pray, the best posture is to lay flat out on the ground, right? Because you're laying prostrate so that God sees just how much you mean your prayer. The repairman couldn't contain himself and he says, fellas, I don't know about you, but the best posture that I get, the best responses I get is when I'm hanging upside down from the light pole. That's not my job. Come on, you guys, did I say it wrong? The best praying I ever did was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. The idea behind it is that when we think about what is the best posture to pray, is there really a right posture? I know growing up, um, and this is probably what parents tell their kids, but growing up, I was always told that if you don't close your eyes, that your, your prayers are not going to go beyond the ceiling, right? If, if your eyes are open, it doesn't really count. If you're not kneeling down, then it doesn't really count. So this morning I want to talk about what does the Bible teach us? What is the best posture for our prayers? But not only that, it's what do we do as we wait for answers to our prayers? Is there a proper posture? My answer to that is yes. There is one proper posture as we wait for God's answers to our prayers. But I would say that it's not kneeling, it's not having your eyes closed or lying prostrate in front of the, like on the floor with your hands stretched out, but rather it's a posture of your heart. As we wait for, for God to answer our prayers, is our heart open to what God is trying to teach us? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and the answer just doesn't come fast enough. For how many of you has it ever happened? It's like the best way that I could 
kind of understand this is this term that theologians and spiritual people use, and it's called this liminal space. Liminal space is, in a sense, that threshold or that place where you are at your most vulnerable. This thing that we call liminal space is, in a sense, it's that waiting, it's that, that hoping, it's that waiting for God to answer, and yet we don't hear the response right away. It's like when you text someone and you want to get their response right away, but you wait for a day before it comes back. How many of you has that ever happened, right? You're waiting for this response and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're just like, and you begin to think like maybe something happened to that person. Maybe they just, they don't want to talk to me anymore or what, maybe I said something that offended them and you, your mind starts doing all kinds of weird things and then they say, oh, I, I never got that text. It's about that waiting time for hearing the response. That's what this space is. And that is the place where after we pray, regardless of how long you wait, that is the place, that is the moment where God is doing his best work. Some people have described this kind of waiting as an, as an anxiousness, an anxiety. Even for some people, it's this suffering or this place of darkness as we wait, this place of silence. But I would say that that is probably the best place for us because as everything else fades away, as everything else fades away and as we wait for God to kind of answer for us, that is the place where we are most suited to be able to hear what God is saying. Here in the United States, we have so many different ways to be distracted. That's why I think we suffer so much from developing our spiritual lives with God is because it's not always so instant. And living here, we have so many different distractions that we don't know how to just be waiting patiently for God to answer us. Some people would say that this waiting time is what we call the cultivation of your soul. You see, the problem with prayer is that we think it's about God answering and doing something for us but I think we get that mixed up because what really is happening is God is working and changing our hearts and our souls, not necessarily changing our situations. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and God doesn't answer the way you want? That's probably what the Bible tells us is because we're not praying for God's will in our lives, but we're praying for our will and God to shape all of earth's history around what we want. And this liminal space, this place, this place of waiting, this place of, of we just want God to answer us is the way that God uses to be able to transform you. Now, I want to look at a story from Scripture. And in the story, we're going to see, oh, okay, it's up there. We're going to see what it looks like to wait. But before we get there, I want to, be, I want to remind you that even as we wait for answers to prayer, oh, there it is, sorry that it's okay if it's this time of darkness. It's okay if we have to wait longer. It's okay if we don't get the answers right away. Because the Bible tells us that those who believe live by what? Faith and not by sight. So maybe you can't see where God is leading and maybe you don't see it right away, but that doesn't matter because the way that we live as people of faith, the soulful way of living is living by faith and not by sight. If you remember, it's in that deep darkness and in that chaos that God creates the best kinds of light. If we look at the very first verse of Scripture, 
Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. It was in the darkness. It was in the emptiness. It is out of that place that God creates light. So maybe it's hard for you to wait. Maybe you are just in in emotional or physical or mental or spiritual pain as you're waiting for God to answer you. But remember that the biblical way that God answers is always in the midst of darkness. And maybe you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But we have the biblical narrative to show us that out of darkness, God creates light. Out of darkness, chaos, and confusion, God orders things to be perfect. So I would say that if you are in that place of waiting, if you are still waiting for God to hear what will happen, remember that it is out of this place where you currently are that God will speak light and order into, his, into your life. And if that doesn't convince you, God talks to Solomon, and this is what God says, The Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. You see, this idea of waiting, patiently waiting, this is what characterizes all of Scripture. Adam waited for his bride. We don't know how long it was. We don't know how many days, but he waited. Abraham was told to go somewhere, and he waited. Abraham waited how many years before he was given one son to be his heir? Noah waits before the floods come. Jesus waits in the desert before he hears a word from the Father. There are times of waiting, and so instead of trying to rush past those times of waiting to hear what God is answering, don't try to get just don't try to rush through it. Don't try to be distracted by other things, but be present in the moments of that moment because the Bible tells us that it's in that moment of darkness, of waiting, of even suffering and uncertainty that God will speak to you the clearest. So I want to look at a story of what you do while you wait to continue to open yourself up to where God is leading you. It's a story in 1 Kings um, chapter 19, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, do you guys bring your Bibles to church anymore? Or your iPads or tablets? Hey, can you turn this one on so that I don't have to keep looking up? I don't know how that turns on. So here's a story that uh, we read. If, you read. if you're reading your Bible through in a year, 1 Kings chapter 19, and this is where it starts. Ahab told Jezebel and all Elijah, and excuse me, Abraham told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So some of you may remember the story of Elijah basically challenging the 450 prophets of Baal. And he said, okay, if your God sends fire from heaven, then your God is God. Baal is God, I will worship him. But if my God sends fire from heaven and consumes this altar, then that is the one true, real, living God. Now, if you don't know the story, I invite you to read it. But basically, I mean, we know how the story kind of ends because God, the God of creation, the God that we pray to and sing to this morning, he sends fire from heaven and Baal sent no fire from heaven. And so what the story tells us is that that Elijah then goes and pursues the 450 prophets of Baal and he puts them to death. All right, so Ahab, one of uh, Queen Jezebel's main guys, says Elijah, he he told her what Elijah had done. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by tomorrow. So she's threatening him. She's promising. She's saying, by this time tomorrow. She's not saying, you know, watch your back, I'm coming after you. But she says, within 24 hours, if I don't take your life, then may that happen to me. Now, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do? It's interesting, yesterday I was in the hospital, and as we were doing rounds in the ICU, there was um, one lady that had just received the news that she had one month to live. So when I was talking to her, she says, I thought it was six months, but this morning they told me it was only one. What would we do? It's painful. It's difficult. No one is ready for that. We know it's a part of life, but no one is ready Elijah wasn't ready. And so the story tells us that he was afraid. He got up and he fled for his life and he came to to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So he runs from wherever he was. He comes to a place. He leaves his servant because he doesn't want the servant to have anything bad happen to him. But he, Elijah himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. So he's running for his life. He's afraid. He, he thinks this woman is going to kill me. She is going to send everything she has and everyone, all of her soldiers after me. She is going to kill me. Do you think he was praying? Do you think at any time Elijah probably said, this is more than I can handle, God. This is more than I can bear. Whatever, whatever prayer request that you have, this is more than I can handle, God. Please help me now or take this away from me or take these feelings away from me. Even if the situation doesn't change, I don't want to be anxious anymore. Whatever that is, Elijah was probably praying, probably saying like, God, just, just let it end now. And he asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Elijah asks to die because it was that painful for him. He knew he was going to die, or at least he thought because the threat from the queen was that you are going to die. He didn't want to fight anymore. I mean, Elijah had just taken on 450 people and put them to death. Not only that, but he had just prayed that God would send fire from heaven, something I have never seen in my life. This guy was on a spiritual high. It wasn't like he was some backslidden um, Israelite prophet. No, this is a guy who did everything that he did for God. So it wasn't that God was punishing him, but it was that humanity was conspiring against him. And Elijah is afraid, and he's tired, and he doesn't want to have to run. And so he says, God, please just let me die. That was his prayer, because he just wanted it to be over. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. It's coming. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up, ate. And drank. Get up and eat, for the journey is too hard for you. Elijah was waiting 
for God to answer. Elijah was waiting for a way out. Elijah was afraid and he didn't know what to do. So all he did was run. And even in running, in a sense, he gives up because he says, I just want this to end. And God comes to him. And as Elijah is waiting, what does God tell him? Eat and drink. So I want to make an allegory of this story. As you are waiting for God to answer your prayers, the best thing that you can do is to eat and drink. Not physical food necessarily, but who does the Bible tell us is the bread of life? So as you are waiting, are you taking the time to get into the word, the bread, the thing that will sustain you? I don't know how many of you have ever experienced this, but I know that when I experience times of kind of great anxiety, when I'm worried about something, when I'm nervous about something, when I'm not sure how something's going to turn out, the only thing, the only medicine that really helps me, and I'm not making this up, is whenever I spend time just reading the Bible. And it doesn't have to be any one particular verse, right? I know some of us, we have verses we like to go to when we're worried, but just reading the Word is a reminder that if God does the impossible in Scripture, then God can also do the impossible in our lives today. If God leads his prophets, if God leads his kings, if God leads just normal, ordinary people in their lives, and God has this plan for them, then I know that God has my life in his hands. And regardless of what we are going through, which, and I'm not taking away from the fact that what you may be going through can be very painful, it can be suffering, it can be annoying, and it can be going on for a long time. But even in the midst of that, perhaps you are going through those situations because God is trying to teach you something. Now, I don't know if God is enforcing this suffering or affliction on you, but I do know that in those moments of suffering, God can use them to transform and to shape you. In those moments where you feel like everything else has faded away, it's in those moments where you are most receptive and open to where God is leading you. So if we follow the advice of what Elijah does, may you go to the bread of life, the source that will sustain you. Because I believe that God in, in, just, in all sorts of ways speaks to us and through us through the scriptures. How many times have you ever read something and it speaks directly to your situation? I don't think that's coincidence. I think that that's how God speaks to us. Now, what does Jesus say that he has? He has the water that what? That takes away all thirst. So if we follow the pattern of Elijah as you're waiting for prayer, instead of just praying the same prayer, and you can pray the same prayer, but instead of just asking God to give you the answer to the prayer or to the request that you have, perhaps what we need to do is, God, open my eyes to what you are actually trying to show me now. I believe that if we pray those prayers, even if it takes some time, God will show you what he needs you to see. Because I believe that God is in the business of continuing to develop who you are and your character God is in the business of developing this relationship with you, and he is not going to leave you stranded. And if you're saying, but I'm not hearing what God is saying, perhaps there is more silence you have to go through. A wise person once told me, yeah, I really look up to him. And I was telling him about a situation, and he says, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Wait on the Lord. 
because God will not leave you or forsake you. And it was one of those things where I needed to hear it at just the right time, at just the right place, on just the right bench, when I wasn't expecting to hear it. Because God comes through when you are ready to hear what he is saying to you. Let me say that one more time. God will speak to you when you are in a place that you are ready to hear and receive the message. I want to go on for a few more minutes. So Elijah, he then went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horb, the mount of God. So even if you're waiting, even if it feels like suffering and darkness and uncertainty, remember it is the God who speaks light and perfection out of the darkness, out of the void, out of the nothingness. God speaks light into existence. He tells Solomon that he would dwell in the thick darkness. And it is in those moments, those liminal spaces of waiting, the valleys of the shadow of death, it is in those moments where God is most present to you and he is just waiting for you to be open and receptive to his word. So the next time you are praying for something, the next time you are waiting and you are struggling and you feel like you are suffering, because some of this isn't suffering, I get it. Like Some of it, it, it just feels like it's suffering. But even if you are in those moments don't try to rush past it. Don't try to just get over it. Don't go to, don't turn the television on or the Netflix on or put the music on. Don't go and tell your friends you want to meet them for dinner or, or at a movie. Don't try to be distracted. Don't try to cover up that pain. Don't try to mask over it because it's just going to, A, it's just going to extend it. But instead, allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And in those moments, you know, that you can be most open and receptive to what God is trying to show you. And if in those moments people say, hey, just get over it, it's going to be fine, or oh, you'll be fine, everyone goes through that, or whatever, ignore those people because your spiritual journey is not their spiritual journey. But instead, in those moments is when God will speak the loudest to you. Don't rush past it. Don't try to mask over it but instead spend more time in the posture of openness and asking God, what are you trying to teach me now? And if it's taking longer, maybe it's because some of us are too hard-headed and stubborn to hear what God is telling us, and God is more patient than you, so he will outweigh our stubbornness until you are ready to hear what he has to say. So as you wait for answers to prayer, May you be like Elijah and may you go to the source that will sustain you, the bread of life, the water that takes away all thirst. May you submit yourself to the Lord who not only gave his life for you, but the Bible tells us is the one who sustains you even to this day. And may you wait patiently as you wait to hear what the Lord is saying. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we don't always like the waiting and we don't always like the uncertainty that comes after we pray. But I pray for my friends here this morning, Lord, that as, as they wait to hear from you, that as they sit and kind of ruminate in the silence, that you would cultivate the garden of their soul, 
that you would prepare them to hear the word that you have for them. So as they come out of that dark night, when they see the light, Lord, that may they be able to give you witness and a testimony of how you came through for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.